During this time of uncertainty, we encourage all of our listeners to shop local and look local first. And that's why we've partnered with Iowa Sports Supply, who is a locally owned and operated and has been providing quality sporting goods, uniforms, and corporate apparel for Iowa high schools, colleges, corporations, and the community for over 60 years. For your next team or corporate need, visit iowasports.com. Shop local and buy local from Iowa Sports Supply in Cedar Falls, Iowa. On the podcast this week, we welcome Waukee High School boys head basketball coach Justin Ull. Coach Ull got his start right here in Des Moines under one of the greatest head basketball coaches to ever walk the sidelines in Coach Tom Davis here at Drake University. Once Coach Tom left, his son Keno Davis took over the reins, and that year they ended up 28-5 and overall, 15-3 and in the Missouri Valley, and an NCAA tournament bid as a five seed. I had the pleasure of playing against that team, and it was one of the most well-rounded, good teams that I've ever played against. After Keno left for Providence, enter Coach Mark Phelps, who Coach All really credits with his recruiting style, being able to actually create relationships and you'll build upon those relationships. So he had a very good experience with Coach Phelps while he was at Drake. Then, fast forward to now, he, as I mentioned, head basketball coach at Waukee High School with two Division One players on his team, one staying right here in Des Moines, Drake University with Tucker DeVries, and the other Peyton Sanford, who is headed to Iowa City to play for Coach Fran Caffrey. It's really great talking to Coach All. We have a lot of connections, as it seems we do with with a couple of our guests. And it was great to talk to him about the upcoming season, how COVID-19 has affected things for him as well. So we really hope you enjoy this episode with Coach Justin Ull. I got the shooter's touch. Can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right though, I can tutor. This that mic flow, I'm a hooper. I got blue faces on blue faces. I'm too. Well, welcome back, shooters. As we mentioned, we have another exciting guest on the podcast today. The head boys basketball coach at Waukee High School, Coach Justin Ull. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. We uh, um, Big things coming. We talked a little off air as far as the stuff that your team's been going through, and we'll get into some of that. And so we're excited to have you on the pod, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time today, Coach. You bet. Thanks for having me. Well, let's uh, let's go way back. Uh, let's um, jump up to, to North Central Iowa, um, Mason City, born and raised, correct? Were you born in Mason City? I was actually born in Forest City. So oh, okay. Okay, so born in Forest City, um, uh, grew up or went to Mason City Newman. Um, what, was, what was childhood like for you, siblings, neighborhood, um, competition level sports? What, uh, what was it like for you growing up in Mason City? I had a great experience growing up. Uh, Mason City was uh, really, really good to me. Um, I was fortunate. I grew up in a neighborhood uh, where I had other kids that were a little bit older than me, but they let me um, tag along. So, um, you know, backyard baseball, football, uh, basketball. I was I was kind of the youngest, but uh, they threw me into the mix, and uh, uh, it helped me uh, grow immensely. Um, you know, I, as I look back on it, you know, 
I was very fortunate to uh, to go to a school like Newman where I was able to participate in a variety of activities and, and, and sports. Uh, we had some success uh, as a team, and, and I was able to have some success individually. Uh, so it was a very good experience. I, I really uh, enjoyed uh, uh, that part of my youth. So I've uh, got to go a few things here with Mason City. Obviously, Mason City, Mason City, Newman. Um, uh, with me being from Algona, obviously, I'm very familiar with uh, Mason City and having the public school and the Catholic school. Obviously, ours is uh, a little bit different size than Mason City. But, but what was that like? And was there any crossover or mix? Or how did, uh, how did you guys kind of between Mason City High and, and Newman, and most specifically because there was a pretty good player across town at uh, Mason City when, uh, when you were there? Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was fun. I was, uh, I was fortunate to, you know, be involved with, you know, Little League Baseball, and you got to know uh, a variety of kids um, and got to have some really good friends from Mason City High School. Um, we actually – I was actually on a, a team mostly of Mason City uh, junior high kids, um, you know, in, in the junior high. Uh, we had a great uh, team, a, a great program. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I was the only kid from Newman on the team. Um, so there was always that talk. Um, my mom was a Catholic school teacher at Newman um, for my entire, you know, junior high on. Um, and so obviously her, her and uh, our family, uh, we elected to stay. But uh, I was always going to Mason City games. You know, that a lot of times they'd play like a Friday, Saturday. So I was able to see that Saturday game. And um, back then it was hard to get a seat. So a lot of times I found myself sitting behind like the visitor's bench. I just kind of uh, find myself sitting there and, and watching the game. But uh, talk about an unbelievable time in Mason City uh, basketball to, to watch uh, Dean Oliver, Brant Harriman, Mike Peterson, uh, Coach Horner, 96-97. Uh, um, that was some really good basketball. Yeah, those teams, historic. I mean, so much fun to watch, and obviously their record and history speaks for themselves. And so I imagine, obviously, as a hoop head and a, a good player in your own right, there had to have been some tough pulls in trying to get you over to the Mohawks and, and, and get you on that squad and maybe win a state championship or two. Right. No, we uh, – it was something maybe I thought about. Um, I think people, you know, even back then maybe wanted to, you know, see what that would look like. We did play on an AAU team in high school uh, with those guys, and it was a really awesome experience. Uh, Dean Oliver might be one of the top Iowa high school basketball players um, that our state's produced in terms of, you know, look at his team accomplishments, look at his individual success. Um, he really had a storied career, and uh, I think they were okay without me. <laughs> and Dean was definitely one of those guys that uh, just – was head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, obviously we've had some, some incredible players that have come through our state, but just where he was at as a high school kid and um, obviously the team and the coach and the system definitely benefited him. But uh, yeah, he was, he was fun to watch in high school, extremely explosive. And so I, I bet you enjoyed having a privilege being able to play with him as well. But so high school career uh, winds down and then uh, you decide to head south a little bit. Um, walk us through a little bit of the decision of deciding to go to Drake. Uh, so I first, uh, visited with Drake my spring of my junior year, uh, coach Kanaski had, uh, just come in, was just hired, um, had an initial conversation with him. Uh, back then the recruiting calendar was a little different. So they were able to see you play, um, at more of some local sites, uh, with our team had played well. Um, and they had some 
open scholarships in that class. So I think they're trying to get out ahead of it. Uh, they had offered me um, the spring of that year, um, went through the summer, um, had some other opportunities, but I think at the end of the day, our, my family being close, uh, wanted to get a good education, uh, all those factors, all that criteria came into play. Um, and so I committed uh, in August. I, I played high school football. Um, my timeline, I wanted to, I wanted to get it done sooner than later. And I thought, you know, just getting it done before football was going to allow me to focus on football and, and other things and then um, go from there. Yeah, so I guess you, you mentioned it as a kid, but it made me think of one more question. Obviously, you played football in high school. Newman, a uh, storied baseball program. Were you a baseball player at all? Uh, I was not a baseball player. Uh, I had to make a hard decision. Um, I, I remember the day when uh, it, was, it came time as an eighth grader, he had to sign up for baseball and uh, eighth graders could play summer baseball. So uh, I knew in my mind, I was not going to go to that meeting. Um, and my friends did, but um, I knew with basketball, uh, I enjoyed golf. Um, and I didn't think it would be um, maybe my best interest, or it would, I don't think it'd be fair because I knew I was gonna have to miss uh, practices and, and other things. And I didn't, um, I just didn't think it was the right move for me at that time. You know, I think as you get older, you have to make some decisions. And that was probably one of my first uh, difficult decisions was to, to put the glove away and uh, just focus on some other things. No, absolutely. That's tough. That's the one thing with Iowa and summer baseball. It's just, it, it makes it difficult. And, you know, obviously, especially now, I mean, the landscape of, of basketball and club basketball, AU basketball has changed so much. It's just a lot of sacrifice. And like you said, at some point those decisions have to be made. And so, uh, completely understand that. And, uh, again, coming kind of full circle to your decision to go to Drake. Um, what, what was that experience like? And one thing too, thinking about, Drake and specifically um, the Knapp Center um, and playing there and how well that place has essentially withheld the, the test of time and is still such a great facility um, for those guys to be able to play in in a fun atmosphere. Yeah, I think, um, you know, coming in and playing for a new coach um, and really believed in, you know, what he was going to try to do. Um, the education piece was always important to me. My, that's something my parents always stressed uh, from a young age. Um, so, uh, and then to play in the Missouri Valley, you know, the Missouri Valley has been historically been a, a terrific conference still is, uh, but back in, in, you know, the late nineties, there were some really terrific players. It's, um, uh, there's been some unbelievable coaches that have come through the Valley, um, as you look back on it. And so, uh, that was very, uh, appealing. Um, and then being close to home, as I mentioned, you know, being, uh, being far enough to get away, but yet being close enough to get home, um, that's kind of everything I, I wanted. So what did you study when you were at Drake? Uh, I studied a lot of things. Uh, I went in thinking I was going to be uh, a business major. Uh, my dad was in business. He was in sales. My mom was a Catholic school teacher. So I knew I wasn't going to be a Catholic school teacher based on, you know, um, her income. So I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to go to Drake. I'll get a business degree. I'll go work in uh, the real world. I'll play golf. I'll be great. Um, and that kind of changed, like most kids maybe go through that process where um, I got in, uh, I enjoyed business, um, but my college roommate really was the one that, as we started talking about um, future plans, I think a lot of players when they go into college, they think, well, you know, I'll play four years, then I'll, I'll see what professional opportunities are there, and then I'll, you know, come back. Um, 
well, Aaron Thomas, my college roommate, one of my best friends, um, he knew right away he wanted to be a coach, um, you know, son of Ed Thomas. Um, he knew he had his four-year plan was marked out. Hey, I'm going to play basketball, then I'm going to be a high school basketball coach or maybe college coach, but I'm going to get into coaching. Um, and so I went through and, you know, probably about year three, my junior year, I'm like, do I really want to sit behind a desk? Is this something – there's kind of that itch like to coach, you know, you go to practice, you see how um, the team comes together. You see all the things behind the scenes that most people don't get to. And you're like, this is, this is fun. This could be really fun. Um, now there's some trade off, you know, there was you know the hours and, and the, the travel and um, the time away. Um, but it's, it started to grow on me a little bit more. And then assistant coaches kind of tried to talk to me a little bit like, Whoa, you sure? Well, maybe you want to be a coach. Maybe, you know, look at being a teacher. So long story short, I, uh, I got my degree in marketing. Uh, I stuck around. I wasn't in any rush. Um, so I came back um, and graduated in four and a half. I became like a graduate assistant. I was basically the kid that, you know, they couldn't kick out. Um, and in order to keep my graduate assistant title, I had to keep taking classes. Well, then I went into the School of Education, uh, got my teaching licensure, um, did my student teaching, um, stayed around some more as a GA, started a, a master's program in public administration, have that. So I was at Drake a while. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. And obviously a great school to be at for a while. Um, you know, you mentioned education was important and, you know, that's one of the one of the best in the nation honestly. So, well, you mentioned Aaron Thomas um, as a roommate and um, one of my high school basketball assistant coaches is now assistant for him. So, you know, obviously um, Ackley and AP very close together. So, you know, sure. follow, follow him and follow that school, but now, you know, a little more connected there. Um, when obviously graduate assistant, you mentioned right after school, um, we've talked to a number of coaches who have gone, you know, right from playing over to coaching what uh what are one or two things that you may not have known as a player that coaches do that you know maybe you realize real quick as you you know as you jumped into as you jumped into that graduate assistant role i think adam you bring up a good point because everyone thinks hey you know you're a coach so what else do you do you know like we see you at the games but you have another job that was a no, there's, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes, as you know, um, in a college program from academics to travel to scheduling, uh, recruiting, um, all those things that just take up a lot of time that people really don't know um, how important, how, how vital they are to the organization. So um, I had a, a good taste in everything. It started off with film exchange, and that was before uh, we became so uh, reliant on technology. That was actually the VHS days. Um, so I spent a lot of time driving to FedEx downtown. I'm very familiar with how to get there. Um, tracking numbers are, were always an important thing to keep track of. Um, but it was really beneficial for me. It really helped me uh, see that side of it because um, you hear a lot of people say, hey, I want to get into coaching. But then it's like, oh, you have to do this. And, and then there's that as well. You know, it, it makes you kind of pause. So it was it was really good for me. I, I was really lucky to, to – um, be able to come back and see that side of things and, and, and see um, what goes on in, in the office um, when you're not on the practice floor. Awesome. Yeah. And you, you mentioned for some of our listeners, maybe, you know, before you could email 
uh, you could email games to other coaches or to people. You had to actually mail them there. Um, yeah, we had quite a system. Yeah, when, when I was at UNI, I specifically remember the first year we made the NCAA tournament, some of our managers had to drive hours and hours just to drop off a tape or to get a tape from a school so we could watch it before the game. Um, yeah. Kind of crazy to think about how that, uh, you know, how that progressed. But um, right. when you uh, when you first got into that graduate assistant role, was Kanaski still, uh, was he still there? Yeah, so I, I played for Kirk Kanaski. Um, and so I came back, I finished up my undergrad degree. I started my teaching. Um, then there was a coaching change and I had just a few classes left and I had to do my student teaching. So um, the change happened and Dr. Tom came in, but it didn't happen for a while. So here I am, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Not really knowing because this is my first time through it. And so I'm just in this holding pattern. Um, and then it's announced that Drake's hired Dr. Tom Davis. Okay, and uh, growing up in the state, obviously you knew who he was, you knew about his teams. Um, he didn't know me, um, and here I am a GA. So um, I walk in, I'm in the office. He walks in uh, the day before his press conference, just trying to check things out. Um, he pulls me into his office, says, I understand you're the graduate assistant. Um, and he goes, I'd like you to stay on and, and, and continue on with us. I was like, okay. Terrific. Um, not knowing, you know, like, wow, that was a relief. Um, so I, I was able to stick with him. Um, really enjoyed that. He's an awesome teacher. Um, I, I think I learned, um, I probably learned more about coaching from him, um, seeing him, being around him in the office than I probably would have if I would have played for him. Just because I was able to see the same person you saw on the practice floor is the same person you saw in the office or outside of the office on the golf course. Um, just a tremendous guy. Um, and I was stuck with him. Um, I actually, I didn't, I applied for a high school job um, late, kind of when it was getting, I was getting close to being done with my student teaching. I was like, okay, here I am. I'm, I'm 24. I got to make some money. Um, and I applied and I talked to him about it. And I remember he called me. Um, I went home to Mason city to talk to my family or whatever in the spring. He called me and said, Hey, I think they're going to offer you the job, but I don't want you to take it. I want you to stay. Um, and that was hard. So you're thinking, well, I can make money. I can start my career, but you're telling me I should stay. And that really meant a lot to me. I, 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 I think back to that voicemail I got and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to stay. Um, and so I end up staying, we go through another year and then kind of about in July, one of the assistants after his first year, Chad Buchanan, uh, gets a call from Kevin Pritchard from the Portland trailblazers, wants him to be a scout. So here he's going to go become a scout for Portland. And then I was able to bump up to Chad's spot. So it's just the timing of it all worked out really well for me. Um, I was very fortunate. Um, Chad's now the general manager of the Indiana Pacers. Um, and so he's done well. Um, but it's, it's kind of just been exciting for me to look back and see, wow, how fortunate I was. Because that's not always the case. So uh, Dr. Tom, uh, what a character that guy was. I, I had a couple of buddies that played for him uh, at, at Drake and heard some, heard some stories about 
him and just his conversation, the way he went about things, all, all been good. But uh, the one that always sticks with me is that he would say something about uh, no effing shots, which was uh, flips, fades, or floaters. Does that sound familiar? I think he's probably referring to Nick Grant on a lot of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, uh, Adam knows. He, he, was, he was not a guy that uh, was going to let you go in the lane and try to um, become fancy. Um, he really believed in the pump fake power. Uh, it's something that I've taken with myself. It's, uh, it's something that we stress to our kids. Uh, our coaches, we have uh, PFP shirts that we wear to practice on days. It's, you know, just pump fake power. And uh, yeah, he did not like the flippers. No, no, no effing shots. That's what I always. That's what they always said. So you know, it was always delivered pretty good too. I always get the geez as uh, as the Dr. Tom impression as well. So oh yes. And obviously, being being able to start your your career as a coach under one of you know the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. Um, you know, as you kind of mentioned, it was you know it, it was exciting probably. And, you know, as a youngster, maybe not realizing the effect that it had on you at that time, what was, you know, what were a couple of things besides what Brian just mentioned, uh, what were a couple of things you learned from him um, as a, as a, as a young coach? I just think, you know, just the way he taught the game, he, he was so, he had such a strong belief in, in the way he wanted to play. Um, and it was uncommon. You know, I, I just listened to uh, Bruce Pearl, uh, talk here on a, a coaching clinic you know dr tom he, he thought dr tom was probably one of the top five most unheralded coaches in our game you know from his pressure defense to his fast break um i think he's got close to 500 wins um but he's not a guy that a lot of people talk about um but i just think adam his, his ability to teach his ability to get players to, to buy in um and then just how he treated people uh you know as i mentioned just he was always the same guy. Um, he was very down to earth. Um, you could always talk to him about anything. Um, and, and still to this day, you know, he, he he's helped me immensely. Um, you know, and, and as we went through uh, with Peyton Sanford, his recruitment, you know, Iowa and, and, and Sanford, um, I, I reached out to him because he had been at both institutions. Um, and, and as Dr. Tom, you know, to do he said both are great choices and he, he goes I love both of them um and he, he's not going to make a bad decision but it's something that he'll have to figure out but uh he's always been a great resource for me he's somebody that I, I really look up to and admire well awesome yeah and so after Dr. um obviously after Dr. Tom um as you stayed on staff for a little bit uh what happened after that so Dr. Tom announced uh his retirement from Drake um and then Keno uh, took over. Um, and that was, again, a, another exciting experience for me. Now, Keno was a little bit different than Dr. Tom. Um, and I, I think as I grew under him, it was just his ability to, to let players be players. Um, and, and just how he, he really he kept it simple. Um, he really gave the players a lot of freedom. He didn't uh, overcoach or, you know, try to rule it, you know, with an iron fist on how he wanted it done. He really let the guys be um, the stakeholders and, and really create the team that they wanted to be. Um, and obviously it worked. We were 28 and five and uh, won the Valley and uh, uh, went to the NCAA tournament. 
I say it's easy to do that when you have a good group of players, right? Just let them let them go right. and make plays, right? Yeah. Well, it was it was really beneficial for that group. We were able to go on a foreign foreign tour. Um, so after Kino took over, we were able to go to uh, the Bahamas for a week, and we played four games. And that's really we always knew Adam Emenecker was a very good leader. Um, we knew what he brought to the scout team. Um, but then we saw him actually in, in game competition. And it's just one of those things that he just fit. He just fit with the, the shooting that we had. He, he was able to work, you know, pick and rolls and, and, and find the open guy. And yet he was strong enough to get to the rim and score. Um, and, and he just really had a, a, a great sense of um, leadership and, and toughness and uh, understanding, which was great from a point guard position. Yeah, and, you know, obviously um, I had the opportunity to play against um, against that team a couple times. And you talked about Emin Ecker being a leader on the court. I mean, he was the Missouri Valley Player of the Year. And honestly, you know, if you if he would score 12 or 13 points a game, that's, that's usual for him. You know, you don't necessarily see an MVP in a conference not, not score that much. Um, and then, you know, you talk about the other team. You know, you got Heemskirk on that team. You got Clayton Corver, um, who could bomb out there. And, you know, all kind of very, in my mind, at least from an outsider looking in, very similar players, you know, never got too up, never got too down. You know, nothing was ever out of, out of reach, it seemed like. So, you know, obviously with, with Keno coming into a good situation, you know, the, those, those, those three players were the, were the core of, of the team in my mind. Yeah, they had, uh, you know, they had grown. They had kind of you know, started early, young, as freshmen with Dr. Tom and had gone through the system, had got an understanding. Um, I think one of the great things that Dr. Tom, you know, did was ha he had that scout team. And those guys were expected to compete against, uh, you know, the top eight. Uh, and that made them better. And there was some buy-in from them. And you, but you could see their growth. Um, you know, Leonard Houston was another kid that just kind of just kept growing and getting better. Um, but you didn't see that until they got later on in their careers. Um, obviously, Josh Young, we, we knew Josh was going to be a really good player. Um, but some of those older guys that got better, it was almost, you know, like in high school where you see some guys that um, step in as seniors uh, that have finally just kind of waited their turn. Well, um, in, in the previous couple of years, we had lost some tough games. You know, we had, we had lost some close games. We were right there and we just couldn't get over the hump. And I think their senior year, they just were really committed to, to finding a way to win. We've actually, it's, it's funny you bring that up because most coaches talk about that experience and how valuable it is, no matter what the level is, um, whether that's getting to the state tournament um, and getting a little experience of whether playing in the barn or playing at Wells Fargo and then how valuable that is for the second year. Same thing uh, with, the, with the NCAA as well. Uh, had Ali on here um, just last week, and he talked about the same thing. Going the first year and getting a little experience, getting a taste of it, and how valuable that is to that experience. And and obviously with that group of guys, um, like you said, just continue to improve, kind of underrated maybe to a to a level most of their career, and then just had that had that run and put it all together, and had to be something that was a real joy to to be a part of. Yeah, it was fun. It was. Uh, um... It was really good for our, our, our university. Uh, I think the community really got behind us. You know, I, I think um, Des Moines, you're always going to have the Iowa, the Iowa State fans, but I think they would be very quick to also want to follow Drake being local. Um, so they're always going to be, you know, Iowa, Iowa State fans, but to get some Iowa and Iowa State fans to continue to cheer on uh, and get on that Drake 
bandwagon it was really awesome it was uh the support i'll never forget uh adam knows the ncaa tournament selection show uh, uh we had the nap center packed uh you know it, it was an awesome time it was it was definitely a, a wonderful memory well, and like I said, those good group of guys, um, obviously a lot of success. Hopefully, uh, Keno still sends those guys a Christmas card for the payday that uh, he got from those guys being able to head out east. But uh, then you had the rare opportunity to play or a coach with uh, your third staff, right? Because then you, you stuck around for yeah. uh, for Phelps' staff, correct? Yeah. So uh, we go 28-5. There was some chatter you know, kind of throughout the year that, you know, Keno may, you know, other programs may pursue Keno. Um, you know, Oregon State had contacted him. Um, and then it was kind of late, um, but then Providence. And, you know, Keno was born in the Northeast, Dr. Tom and coached at Boston College. Um, and so he'd always kind of had a love for the Northeast. So uh, Providence came. Uh, we had our banquet on a Sunday night. Uh, the next day, Keno was flown out to Providence, Rhode Island. Our team was taken down to the state, ha the capital, uh, to be recognized. Keno wasn't there. Um, the media kind of put two and two together. Um, Kino uh, got back. We had talked, um, had the opportunity to go to Providence as like a director of basketball. Um, but, you know, I was young and, hey, I'm a coach now. I I've worked really hard. So uh, I wanted to coach. Um, and at that time, I was married. My wife uh, was just getting ready to start a new career. Uh, she's actually going to go back to school to become uh, – a sonographer, do some ultrasounds. Um, so timing-wise, um, she'd already been accepted into uh, school here in town. Um, so I told Kino, hey, I appreciate it. I wish you all the luck, but I, I want to try to stay on here. Um, so it was a long process. It was, uh, I didn't know Mark. Um, he didn't know me. Um, so that took a while to just kind of get to know each other. There's conversations and uh, try to help him get adjusted. Um, to Drake and, and everything else. Um, and so uh, I remember I got a text message like on a Thursday night, like, hey, let's uh, get together in the morning to visit. Um, and then one of the next morning and he, he said he wanted me to stay. So uh, I was fortunate in that regard. Usually um, it doesn't work like that. I was able to, to stick around for uh, a lot of coaches. So no, that's great. And obviously, we'll get to this when we start talking a little bit more about your own program. But uh, you take nuggets from everybody that uh, you get an opportunity to work with. And so the more the more the merrier when it comes to that. And so I'm, I'm sure you relished in that opportunity. But uh, before we get to that real quick, so so Phelps was Phelps was one of those guys one he could recruit his ass off like that was the dude that could get some guys that had no business being in Des Moines and so huge credit to him on that side of things I think then he he probably took a little more heat maybe than he should have just from I don't know if it's the boosters or it's the public or what it was but what was your take on Phelps and, and his time or at least while you were there uh at Drake no Brian you brought up a good point he he really taught me how to recruit um I thought we recruited at a very high level we had some uh, really terrific players that we were able to bring to Drake uh not only as players, but as people, uh, he was in a tough spot because, you know, he came to, he came to Drake, uh, following Keno after all the success, um, wasn't maybe a name that people knew, uh, was coming from Arizona state. People wondered how that, you know, why do we hire, you know, so there's always going to be that. So I think he did kind of get off, um, just off on, I don't want to say like the wrong foot, but people maybe just didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, 
you know, with his background, so to speak. So um, sometimes, you know, you look at fit and I think sometimes uh, people just wonder about the fit. Well, and I've, I think I've said it before on the podcast, too. He never wore blue. Like, what was the deal with that? Like, how, how do you coach a Drake and never put blue on? <laughs> I don't know. I have a hard enough time dressing myself. So I, I, I didn't come <laughs> to me for any tips. No, but like I said, he got those dudes on campus and that, uh, which, you know, in itself was fun to watch. Maybe that's where some of the frustration came is because, as you know, whenever there's expectations, then it, it, everything's becomes a lot harder. And maybe that's what the big hurdle was. But um, so then transitioning, how did that all work? How um, you might have to take me through the timeline a little bit um, as far as years. When did when did the Waukee position come available and how did you make that decision to move off staff and, and, and head west to Waukee? So um, the Waukee position came available in 2009, I want to believe. Um, it was open. Coach uh, Dalma was going to go back up to Northwest Iowa and, and take over Dort. Um, and at the time, I had talked to Aaron Thomas. said, hey, you got to get back here. Waukee, um, it's great school. The things that they're doing out there, they're going to build a new field house. It's going to be unbelievable. You need to look at this. Um, and so he, uh, he was on board with it. He, uh, he interviewed and, and came down and looked at things. And, um, so I was, I was selling Waukee to him. Um, and then, uh, ended up going with Matt Woodley, who we also played with. So, um, you know, Matt was the, went to West Des Moines Valley from the area, had just, uh, been at Washington state with Tony Bennett. Tony had just taken the Virginia job. Um, and so Matt was in transition and Matt, uh, came back to the area. So you had two outstanding candidates and, and they went with Matt. Um, well then Matt stayed here for a few years. Um, he was then fortunate. He took over at Truman state. Um, I was in the process of my wife and I were married, uh, had our first child. Actually her birthday was just yesterday. So, um, it was a complicated, uh, process. My daughter was born. She weighed two pounds, 11 ounces. So she was a preemie. Um, she spent, uh, about seven weeks, uh, in the NICU, uh, downtown. And so that was really eye opening for me. Um, you know, they basically told us, I don't know if you guys are going to have any more kids, um, cause you're going to need to wait. Um, and so I, I think in that 12 month period, eight month period, I, I really kind of matured and, and, and grew up a little bit and I kind of realized what was important to me. Um, I'd always told my wife at some point I'd like to get to high school just as having a family. Um, and, and she had been terrific through this in this, she played at Drake. She was a college basketball player. She was much better than I am. Um, so she, she understood it. She got it. She understood recruiting. She understood, you know, travel, all those things and, um, never, never blinked. Um, so I had heard Matt was interested in Truman. I kind of had a criteria for myself, like, well, I'm just not going to go to high school just to take a high school job. I, I want to go someplace that's going to be important. Um, that fall, um, about this time, I actually, I spoke um, to some ADs up in Boone um, for like a CIML um, ADs meeting. Um, and the, my point person was actually Mr. Dewey, Jim Dewey, the AD here. Um, and so when it opened, I, uh, I circled back with him and, and told him I'd be interested in, in it. Um, 
we went through that process and I interviewed and um, I just felt like it was the right move um, for me at the time, for my family. Um, and I was, I was fortunate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it definitely sounds like a whirlwind, but uh, a, a great opportunity, like you said, for all the positives, um, even at that time that, uh, uh, you know, Waukee had going for them. And then since obviously you've been there, what they've been able to stack on top of that. But uh, one, of, one of the biggest transitions in which that we usually get the guys on here talking about is when, when you're the assistant or, like we said, going from a player to a coach, what, what was the transition like for you going from a bench being an assistant to now all of a sudden having your own program and, and now wearing all the hats? Uh, it, was, it was different um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the things – probably the biggest difference for me was just being back in a classroom. Um, just being around, you know, kids um, of that age and um, everything that goes into teaching, you know, that was, you know, as my wife reminds me, you're, you're, you're a teacher as well as a coach. Um, and, and so just some of those, uh, those things that were going on in the classroom, uh, the time management, uh, but when you're a high school coach, man, you're, you're doing everything. You're, uh, you're, you're doing practice schedules, you're doing busing, you're doing, uh, you're doing the video, you're doing the parent emails, um, you're doing laundry, um, you're doing the, uh, the, the gear order. So it's, it's all, it's kind of all on you, which is like, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's why you, you sign up for it, but, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Um, my head coaching experience up in Madrid, I, there was often times where I was like, man, I would, I'd just like to get back to coaching basketball. Like I felt like I was everything but coaching basketball between all those responsibilities that you mentioned. Right. Yeah. We, we talk about this a lot. Like, uh, my favorite part of the day is like that three fifteen to five thirty when I, when I'm on the practice floor, um, I'll get to the other things, but, um, when you get out there on the floor and, and, and got guys going, it, it's, it's the best time of my day outside of, you know, being around my, my family and my kids. And it's funny how that changes too, from a player to a coach and even like a head coach. Um, I mean, that's something too, that my favorite, my favorite thing as a coach was practice. Like I love practice more than games. I love practice, you know, which is completely different as a player. Obviously you're just like, all right, when's the next game? But right. as a coach, it's just like, I can't, I was the same way. And you, you mentioned it. I, I probably had a tough time distinguishing the difference between being a teacher and being a coach. I felt like I was always a coach and just couldn't wait for 315 and, and get out there and get an opportunity to try to get better. Um, but so with that, you, you've talked quite a bit about your, your influences and, um, you know, your time with Drake and some of the, the impact that those guys had on you, but now with you having your own program, how's your philosophy changed or has it at all since, uh, taking the job at Waukee? Well, I think there's always been some, you know, kind of like some pillars that we want our, our kids to have. Um, and that took me a while to kind of, to figure out exactly what those were. Um, I think early on, you're kind of trying to just find your own footing, uh, as a coach, as a leader, um, oftentimes, you know, you're as an assistant, someone else has been in charge. Um, and it's been their voice. Um, when I came here, I was fortunate because the team I inherited, uh, had been successful. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to come in and try to put my stamp on things too much. I, I try to, you know, take some of the things that Matt had done and that made them successful. Um, I had an idea in my mind, how I wanted our team to play, how I wanted it to look. Um, but then as I got, as I kind of grew, um, I found kind of my footing and, you know, I want our kids to, to play with discipline. I want us to, you know, on and off the floor. I want us to do the right thing. 
Um, I always want us to give our kids to give their best, you know, their best is going to look different, you know? Um, but then I want them to be, you know, committed. I want them to, you know, be all in, like don't have one foot here and one foot out. I just don't think that's, you know, fair to anybody that's involved. Um, and then I want them to, you know, have some toughness. Um, you know what? Basketball requires some toughness at times. Um, it's not one of those sports that you can just uh, finesse your way through. Uh, and then I want to have, I want them to have pride. Um, I want them to have pride in our school uh, and, and personal pride at the same time. So those are kind of our five big ones. Um, how we play, um, you know, I want us to take great shots. I don't want to turn it over. Uh, we need to get on the floor and hustle. Um, so those are just a few of the, you know, kind of the things we talk about um, in game sort of things. But uh, it really tries, we really try to go back and, and hit those five pillars on them a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a, that's a good way. And a, a mentality in which that uh, you can obviously carry with you from, from team to team. And so you're not having to change a lot, obviously X's and O's stuff changes as your personnel changes. That's one of the things. And probably the, the biggest credit that I give to you guys, you high school coaches is that you can't go out and recruit a kid to fit your system. You got to fit your system to the kids that you have. And so to be able to have the success and continued success that you guys have had is, is really great. And, um, Obviously, we have a number of coaches that follow along with us. And so one of the things that I wanted to just kind of bend your ear a little bit about is what, what's something that you do in your practice to try to create competitiveness um, um, for your guys and, and obviously to build some of that toughness that you mentioned? I think it really comes down to just competing in every drill. Um, we keep score. Um, there's a winner. There's a loser. Um, you know, I think sometimes kids get in the, the habit of like, well, I can reset this game. You know, it's, it's, it's not a video game. It, it's not your schoolwork where you can redo it. It's, you know, we get one opportunity and we got to make the most of it. So um, the practice has been a lot of fun to have some really good assistant coaches too, because they, they can, can get the environment going, the competitiveness, they can, you know, they're coaching against each other and I'm the official. And so it, it brings out everybody's their best. Um, you know, well, we do a lot of shooting. We do a lot of stuff that challenges them trying to get a, a goal, uh, a number. Um, and when we compete against a, a clock, a lot of times, you know, in our drills, Hey, so many in this amount of time. Um, so it kind of puts them in that on edge mode, probably more. So we're just not coming in just to get shots and, um, there's a little bit of pace to it. Yeah. So you mentioned obviously a staff and how difficult it sometimes can be. And, and maybe this is a little bit shout out obviously to coach Mickelson and uh, uh, what he's done for you, but um, what, how difficult is it and slash how important is it to make sure that you have a good staff at the high school level um, with so many moving parts? Oh, it's, I, I, I can't give it enough, you know, emphasis that your staff is so important. Um, I really put a lot on those guys. I give them a lot of responsibility. I think that's one thing that I was, I appreciated from Dr. Tom was how he was able to delegate. Um, I, I want those guys to have a voice. I want them to be involved because um, I, I just don't want the players to hear my voice at practice. I want it to be everybody's voice and they have really good ideas. Now they give me ideas and it's now it's my job to figure out if those can work with our team or if I just, you know, file them away for another time. 
Uh, but I really try to get their input. You know, we talk every day, um, either in person or a text. Uh, we, our group conversation is always, uh, always going just about different ideas, different things in the season. That's great stuff. Great stuff, coach. Um, well, so let's maybe jump into this year. Um, and, you know, for our listeners that may not know, you know, you, you, you finished second place last year in the state, um, have, have a couple key components coming back. Um, so let's talk about that. And then, um, actually if you could couple in with that too, you know, how has this COVID situation kind of, I guess maybe even like set that team back a little bit, if at all. Yeah, that's a good question, Adam. You know, I really don't know um, how our team's going to look. We're, we really use the month of June um, to try to develop our program for the upcoming year. Obviously this year, June wasn't an option. Um, so we've, you know, we've encouraged the kids to, to work as much as they can in a safe environment um, throughout this process. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, win the weight. So when we can get back in the gym, um, we're ready to go. Um, so we, we start off in July after the fourth, uh, we just did some small groups some shooting, um, some of those competitive shooting drills. We didn't play. Um, we just, uh, were in and out, got some shots up, um, just trying to kind of reestablish that chemistry. Um, you know, that's, I think the biggest thing that we use the month of June for is just to develop the chemistry amongst our team. You know, we, we do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff outside the gym, um, that helps build that. So now we're trying to build team chemistry while social distancing, and that can be a challenge. Um, so how do we do that now? Now that we're you know, able to have some open gyms um, in that five on five setting um, while still, you know, maintaining a safe environment. Yeah, definitely not, uh, not the easiest thing and something that you and obviously other coaches haven't, uh, haven't had to deal with um, what, as far as the upcoming season goes, is there, is it set to, is it set to go off as normal? Um, are there any, obviously with the social dis distancing and stuff like that, there are some restrictions, but is everything set to go off as normal typically? As of right now, as of today, I think we're still planning on starting November 16th. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I know there's been some discussions amongst uh, the CIML ADs on maybe what our game schedule might look like. Um, how many we may dress at uh, each level. Um, you know, I think one thing that we're looking at is kind of the, the same plan um, that volleyball has followed in terms of some of those uh, guidelines and strategies. Um, but I think we, we were trying to, you know, develop a plan. Obviously, we may have to change that plan. Um, but hopefully November 16th can get here and, and everything can um, – we'll have a better idea of how to handle the different situations. But I think – um, you know, one thing this has, has taught us has been to, the ability to adapt um, and change uh, is going to be vital uh, at some point. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, you typically use June to get your players acclimated for the next year. You know, with with those players, well, you know, that AAU season was 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 cut pretty short, too. So they didn't get as much work over the summer. But um, you know, we've heard a number of different stories from high school coaches, from college coaches about you know, how they're preparing their team. And it seems that, you know, they're, and it may be obviously, but it just preparing as much as they can. And, um, you know, hopefully things, uh, hopefully things actually 
actually work out for the best here coming up. But um, had an, had an exciting couple players on your team. You know, they got have multiple D1 offers, and obviously, obviously, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on there that is COVID kind of it may put a, a hindrance on on some of their recruiting as well. But uh, you've obviously had some had other previous players go. Uh, on to play college college basketball but what was that process like for you as a head coach and for those guys uh, just as far as recruiting goes well I think the role of the high school coach is try to get as much information as you can to the player um, you know we get stuff sent here to, to myself that I pass along to the player um, you know college coaches are going to call me and, and they want to you know talk about the player and, and it's really just you know some they're, they're just checking about, you know, character, some of those things. They're going to be able to evaluate the tape and the film. They, they want to know the other things, um, some of the uh, things you can't measure off of a film. You know, what type of person? Does he care about school? Um, you know, what does he want to study? Um, is he a hard worker? Uh, and, and we've been fortunate. You know, I think the guys that have gone on and, and played uh, from our program uh, have all of those qualities. Yeah, and we talked about it before we jumped on, but obviously a, a good and, and big decision to be able to have made and kind of out of the way. And that, I know you mentioned it, being able to now focus focus on this team and, and focus on this season. And, and like you said, it's going to be different. Um, I mean, also different. Obviously, you got uh, uh, got some, some different kids. I know you, rumor has it you got a nice transfer as well. And so you, your team is going to uh, – Definitely, definitely be a, a team that's going to be fun to watch this year. I'll be interested to hear what the schedule and how everything shakes out. It sounds like there potentially might be another an out-of-state matchup that we could be looking forward to. But uh, as a whole, um, assuming everything moves forward uh, as we plan, um, what, are you, what are you most excited about to, to, to go to war with these kids again here um, for this season? Well, I'm just excited to get back in the gym with them. Um, you know, I – been starting to you know look at practice times and practice schedules and you're starting to make practice plans as to what that could look like but that's just for me that's the fun part you know that kids love the games um but just being around this group um last year was a weird weird ending um just in terms of you know you're at the state tournament um thursday night you're playing in front of a, a packed house um and you knew beforehand that friday was going to look different and it did um and so just to, the chance to get back together with that group, um, whether that's with fans, without fans, um, I don't think it really matters. I, I know they just want to play. They, they're excited to, to get the season going. And that, I think I'm excited uh, for that as well. That's right. I, I totally forgot about um, how that all went. And that had, that had to have felt very different for you guys and for your, um, your team too, because obviously uh, used to playing in front of good sized crowds and obviously down at the well, and then to show up for a state championship game, obviously biggest game of most of those guys career. And uh, yeah, not have, not have the fans or, or, or the uh, excitement that came along with it. Obviously there's still excitement and, and still a good matchup, but uh, yeah, like we said, hopefully that's something that they can grow and uh, from that experience, obviously you guys have, have made it a common place down at Wells Fargo, but uh, uh, yeah, got, got a good feeling for you guys for this year. Well, um, we like to end our podcast here, Coach, with a little section we call Rapid Fire. Um, Brian's going to hit you with a couple questions, some fun, some maybe a little bit tougher to answer, but uh, just give us your, your best answer that comes to mind first. All right. 
All right. So first one is your the favorite gym or arena that you've coached in. Visiting. I always got to put the visitor because we all love mm -hmm. our home gym. Visitor. Yeah, we definitely love the Waukee Fieldhouse. But uh, I, I think uh, probably my most exciting, most memorable moment in uh, college was uh, we played in the Bracket Buster uh, at Butler Fieldhouse, uh, coached by uh, you know Brad Stevens, who's now with the Celtics. Uh, played the game on ESPN. Uh, and we won. So uh, that was uh, quite a quite a trip. That, yeah, that's really a good experience. Not to mention. Um, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Not even close? Uh, it's, it's up for debate, but uh, oh, okay. I never saw Bill Russell. Uh, but uh, we're going to go with Michael Jordan. Nope, I like it. So – um, I know golf's a, golf's a big hobby of yours. Um, you're also the head, head golf coach there at, at Waukee, correct? I'm the assistant. Oh, I'm you're the assistant. assistant. It's an even, even better. It's, it's an even better job. It's, it's yep. Really, yep. That, that's perfect. So with that, then, what's your favorite golf course in Iowa? Uh, Harvester. Ooh, tough, tough to beat. Yeah. Um, going back uh, local roots here, um, Taco Tico or Tasty Taco? Taco Tico all day. <laughs> okay, so you're you're a Tico guy. We we had some people on that say it's overrated. Whether Fort Dodge Mason City, they say Tico's a little overrated. But you're you're on board, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, so I gotta ask this too. Do you still give Trevor a, a hard time for that technical he got a couple years back at Wells Fargo? Um, every day. No, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we find ways to work it in. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, and then he made the paper too, didn't he? I mean, just, yeah, just really, yep. just we went all out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he, I know he, it's funny. I would give him a hard time too. I know he felt bad about it, but uh, you, you, you got it. You got to give him a hard time about that. Um, okay, so local option. I know you mentioned it, so I, I feel like maybe uh, I know your answer, but uh, better Mason City player, Dean Oliver, or Jeff Horner? Dean, he got two, he has two rings. That, yep, I like it. That is true. Um, a little inside information here, but if, if you're looking for a place to eat, you're taking the kids and the wife out, is there any reason to ever drive past Jethro's? Uh, in fact, it was my daughter's birthday last night. And so we, uh, we did, uh, I picked up Jethro's. That's what she wanted. So makes it pretty simple. I, I tell you what, that's like always our, for, for my family as well. That's our scale. It'd be like, well, you know, how's it compared to Jethro's? I wouldn't drive past Jethro's. Like whenever something new opens, it's like, how does it, how does it compare to Jethro's? Cause you can't get a bad meal from there. That's for sure. Right. Um, Okay, two left for you, Coach. Uh, favorite basketball shoe? Uh, let's go with the Jordan 3s. I, I, I think that's the second time maybe we've had that. The 3s threes, the threes is a tough shoe to beat, so I hear you there. Got a favorite colorway? Uh, let's go with the Smets. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. Um, and then last one here, a little bit of a loaded question. You've talked about it. You brought it up a little bit. But uh, what's, the, what's the best thing about uh, getting to be the head coach of the, the, the Waukee Warriors? I, th I think it's the people, um, you know, specifically the kids. But I'm really fortunate to work in a, a great place. Uh, you know, it, it starts um, 
at the top with our leadership uh, from our superintendent down. Uh, I've got a great principal. I've got a tremendous AD, uh, but it really comes back to the kids. I, I've been really fortunate to coach um, some really talented kids um, athletically, but also some really talented kids just in general that are, are doing some terrific things now um, in the real world as well. So uh, it's definitely Waukee's a special place with some very special people. Perfect, Coach. Hey, we, we appreciate you taking some time. We know you're a busy guy. Um, we, we're excited for this year. We'll be excited to watch your team. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes as planned, as scheduled. Um, we'll be following along in the journey, and, and we definitely wish you the best of luck. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, as Brian said, Coach, yeah, everything really he mentioned. You know, we're, we have our fingers crossed for you and for just basketball season in general to essentially go off as normal. Um, so we get some hoops in our lives finally after the NBA yeah. season. But uh, exactly. and with our listeners, obviously, you know, as we always mention, uh, we really appreciate you. And wherever you get your podcast, feel free to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. You can catch us on social media. Search on Facebook, The Shooter's Touch, and Instagram and the Twitter at Shooter's Touch IA. And remember, shooters shoot. Cause I'm writing my mind Hustling harder than ever before Saying I change cause I like when I shine The diamonds hit different like Mike in his prime I got the shooters touch Can't nobody ball like me no.